1: Greetings folks and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC right here on life-changing talk radio 105.1 FM WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry relations for WAVA Radio and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Well, Folks, today we are continuing our very very important conversation about racial reconciliation and healing. And today's focus is to going to be on a on an initiative called the Repentance Project and how it is taking action to move our country forward. And So we want to talk about it because it is so very important, especially at this time in the life of our country. And here to get us going, to get us started, to introduce our guest for today is my buddy, my co-host, my good friend, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. God bless you, friend. Good to see
2: y'all. Good to see you, brother. Thanks, man. Well... We're going to pick up on a conversation, Dennis, you mentioned already that has been an ongoing conversation here at our time of Good News for the City, but also uh, just recently uh, part of a two part dialogue. And so if you are tuning in today uh, and you have not had the opportunity to listen to our first discussion around this issue that's connected a little bit to the discussion that we're having today. I do go and encourage you to go to goodnewsforthecity.com, look up the weekend of um, the 6th and the 7th of June, 2020, or you can go to WAVA. uh, You can type in the the podcast section and type in good news. You can go there. There's so many different places you can do it because, uh, not that this show won't stand on its own, however, there was so much said in the first show that we did that it gives a little bit of context to some of the good things we're going to talk about today. And one of the guests on that show, that we are fortunate to have back with us on this show is pastor Aaron Graham. I won't go through his whole bio again, but let's just say it is quite impressive. Um, he is uh, the founder and lead pastor of the district church. Uh, currently though, he lives in Columbia Heights with his wife, Amy and their two children, Elijah and Natalie. And so Aaron, thanks for coming back on the show. Excited to, to have you and hear some more what you are gonna talk about the Repentance Project. But I'm also, uh, Dennis, I'm, I don't use the word giddy very often. It's not really kind of how I like to describe my personality. But I could say I'm slightly giddy today for our other guest because the other guest that amen, we have amen. is Claude Jennings. Now, that means maybe not a ton uh, to people who are listening. But from time to time, you have heard me refer to the man behind the curtain, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, our producer, Claude Jennings. He is actually joining us. You're going to get a chance to hear his voice today. Uh, He's the one that actually always makes our voices sound better than they really are. Uh, But we're hearing not just his vocal cords speak, but his belief and his passion. That voice is what we're tapping into today when we're talking about this issue of race and and how to to deal with it in a way that would honor God. Claude is a media professional in the greater Washington, D.C. area, serving several local and national media outlets. He's also the founder and CEO of Hopeline Media, LLC, providing media marketing services for business. He is also, as well, uh, the pastor of Impact Fellowship, a church in Greenbelt, Maryland, that focuses on community engagement, as well, tangible change in the lives of people. So, uh, Aaron, welcome back. Claude, you're here all the time, but welcome to the air in that way. Man, we get to look
1: behind the curtain, Brian. We actually get See Claude and how gifted and amazing he is.
2: Yeah. And people don't know that he's actually producing this show while speaking in the show at the same time. So we're going to test his skill set just a bit, a much higher skill set than I have for sure. Aaron, as one of the founding members though, of what we call the Repentance Project and the partners of that, I think people are going to hear those words. And I think the first thing we need to start with is give us a little background of what it is uh, and the story behind this work.
3: Absolutely. It's great to be here with you guys again, Dennis and Brian, and so good to be here with you, Claude, as well. I'm excited to hear um, from you and um, just greetings once again to all the listeners out there. Um, I'm excited to share about the Repentance Project. This was something that came together, um, must have been about five years ago, and it's a really cool story how it came together. I mean, it's one of those like God stories, like God moments that can only be explained by the Lord and um, so i want to tell you guys that story and then kind of tell you about the work um so god put it on the heart of of a few leaders including bill haley who's the associate rector at falls church anglican and um and who now leads also the ministry of coracle uh, to pull together black and white pastors and church leaders for a retreat at his recently purchased property in the shenandoah valley that he turned into a christian retreat center and After purchasing this property, he soon discovered that there was a slave cemetery on the grounds, which was interesting because Shenandoah has long denied that they ever had slaves in their county. Um, Hard to believe, being so close to the capital of the Confederacy, that they would deny ever having slaves. Um, but through extensive research, uh, Bill Haley and some others were able to confirm that this actually was a slave cemetery on this now Christian retreat center. And so um, Bill kind of pulled together a, a number of friends and pastors um, that he knew shared this burden that, white, um, that the white American church has not yet come to grips with the, the real racial history of our nation and really truly repented i think we all know the history of our nation at a certain level but has there actually been a deep repentance or has it simply been like putting band-aids on a gaping wound and so um so anyways we ended up gathering at this retreat and um, there was probably about. 20, 25 of us, and honestly, all of us are busy pastors, and none of us were looking for a new project or anything to be a part of. We all knew we were called to this work of racial reconciliation. It was a miracle to get us all together for that time, but Bill wanted to take us to uh, in the afternoon after we had met and prayed to the cemetery um, to pray because uh, he wanted to, sh- to show it on the edge of his property, and. Um, and un- unfortunately, you know, in, in the slave cemetery, it had been covered up. I mean, it, would, it had never been set apart um, like a typical cemetery to honor the lives um, of those who had died there. And so they were just little pieces of rocks. They weren't mm-hmm. marked. And some of these people didn't die in dignity. Anyways, as we started praying, um, Max who was on the team, uh, said, let's take off our, 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 our shoes because this is holy ground. And as David Bailey, who leads a reconciliation ministry called Erebon, started praying, it started downpouring. And it was like so hard. I mean, the rain, it was, we were getting drenched. And we kind of all faced this moment like, are we going to run inside or are we going to just kind of wait this out? Well, we ended up waiting it out. Bill Haley's daughter, uh, who's 10, uh, spoke the prophetic word and she spoke up and said, This is God crying. And as we were in that moment, we realized these were the tears of heaven giving dignity to these lives that had been lost, these slaves who had not even been buried, who not only did not have dignity when they lived, but were not buried in a dignified way. And right when we ended praying, we all prayed, it must have been about 30 minutes, literally right when we said amen, the rain stopped. And as we were walking back to the house, the sun came out and we were all drenched, got back inside. And we were the we were supposed to, the agenda last agenda on the retreat was to discern whether God was calling us to do something together. Yeah, I think <laughs> so God made that clear, together. probably and right. We were like, all right, I guess God's calling
2: us to do this. So that's and a that was bit, the birth that, of the Repentance Project, then. Right? That was the birth of the Repentance Project. Now, one of the things that Repentance Project does, as I understand it, is it helps guide people through pilgrimages to promote racial healing in that way. Uh, how are those, What are those exactly, and how are those designed to further sort of the mission of repentance to this project?
3: Sure. Yes. Yeah, so um, part of it is just being creating resources and experiences for the church in America to really take an honest look at the history of racism and slavery and segregation in our in our country, and to have the opportunity to repent. And I think that knowing the history, the true history, uh, creates that opportunity. Um, to repent. And I think we're in that moment right now, obviously, as a nation where all attention is on this, that we have an opportunity to not do a surface level analysis of history, but to really do that. And so the pilgrimages, uh, they partnered with the Telos group, which is actually a group that I've been on a pilgrimage with to, um, to Israel and to the Holy Land, to Israel and Palestine, to understand some of the conflict there. But they've curated these experiences through the American South to understand the history there. And then coracle has helped lead some experiences in virginia um, that really help understand not only the history in places like alexandria um, but also the places of how do i go back through the history of virginia through the eyes of a slave through the eyes of those who have experienced um, oppression and segregation and so it's incredible stories of how how god has spoken to people kind of like our rain story and other people who go on these pilgrimages yeah
2: now, Claude, uh, off air a lot. I, I I joke with you that you're one of the busiest people I know. You carry many hats and do many things. And and just two of the hats that you you have that you carry is pastor uh, and being in the media, being a media professional. Uh, so you're in front of the mic, by the way, just as much as you're behind the mic. Uh, you know, a lot of times you're in the role I'm in, and you do a wonderful job. And you have the the privilege of covering. And addressing these issues that we're struggling with, again, as a nation, again, never resolved, continue to struggle with from different angles. In your opinion, what are you noticing and sensing in regards to the reaction impact of these most recent occurrences that are now occurring around the injustices uh, that happen uh, systemically through a system, but also personally from one person to another? Yeah, well, thanks a
4: lot, Pastor Brian. I mean, you know, number one, let me just say thank you so much for, you know, having me on on the show, not just as a producer. And I'm so thankful for One Heart DC, for Good News for the City, for WAVA, who intentionally like address these issues when it's in the news headlines. That's the easy time to do it. But then also when they're not in the news headlines, uh, we intentionally try to make sure that we're talking about this and making sure the church leads the way. And so uh, it's an honor being with Pastor Aaron, uh, but then also with Pastor Brian and Dennis, uh, two guys who... You know, off the air. I mean, we talk about this on the air, but off the air. You know, you guys express your heart um, for seeing racial justice, and people may not hear a lot of the things that you get to say about this subject off the air, but on the air and off the air. This is something that's dear to, to both of your hearts, and it means a lot um, to me. Uh, but you know, as I cover it, you know, professionally, but also experience it. Um, you know, I, I experience and cover the usual, but also understandable reaction of anger, uh, of frustration, of helplessness. Uh, you know, as an African-American uh, man, you know, the feeling of here we go again. Uh, it, it, this has happened again, you know, in the black community, unfortunately, you know, we're not surprised when this happens, even though the fact that we're not surprised it still doesn't calm the feeling of hurt. Uh, you know, talking about not being surprised, I mean, I was maybe 14 years old when I had, uh, you know, an encounter with a police officer. I mean, I'm in the neighborhood where I grew up, you know, the first 12 years of my life and I'm at my grandmother's house and, you know, a cop rustles me to the ground with a gun to the back of my head for doing nothing else other than standing on my grandmother's porch where I spent, again, the first 12 plus years um, of my life. And so, you know, I've had people call the police on me when I'm waiting outside of a client's house who happens to live in a rich neighborhood in Chevy Chase, Maryland. And I'm waiting outside of the house with them to get home so we can do work. And someone's in the neighborhood and, <laughs> and they call the police because I'm suspicious. If I'm suspicious, I mean, you know, it's the black man in a car in a, in, in a rich neighborhood. Um, but I also feel and have sensed uh, and have uh, covered a heightened sense of fatigue. Uh, You know, we've got to remember that George Floyd's murder comes on the heels of Ahmaud Arbery being murdered by two white men in Georgia. Uh, Amy Cooper calling the police on Christian Cooper. No relation, right? Same last name, Cooper. It's ironic. No relation uh, for, you know, almost weaponizing her whiteness, saying, you know, I'm going to call, telling him before she does it, I'm going to call the police and tell her that a black man is threatening me. Uh, and so this police killing of George Floyd is, is kind of a tipping point. Um, but I noticed, and this is what's bringing me hope, a fatigue not just in the Black community because we've relived this, but a fatigue in a lot of, uh, you know, uh, my white, Latino, Asian, just a fatigue in general in the country. I mean, you look at some of the protesters and you see all nationalities out there, all folks uh, protesting about it. Uh, and some of the response that's also been new and hopeful for me has been police officers Uh, Joining the protesters, I mean, to see a picture and video of police officers kneeling with protesters, Mm. uh, to see police officers hugging protesters, deciding to take off their armored gear and march with people.
2: When people hear protest, I just want to get this out of the way for our listeners, okay? because some people think the word protest and think something negative. Jesus himself protested, protested authority in John chapter 18, verses 22, when he was unjustly hit. He looked at the high priest and said, why are you doing this? This isn't right. Uh, th- this is absolutely a, a very positive and right way to address systemic injustice when something something isn't right. And, and Claude, I think you so eloquently saying this, and, and Aaron, you said this uh, in the previous show before when I asked you a question about, um, you know, people's responses, or maybe that was uh, Dr. Manning, Dr. Bobby were talking to you about responses. But, Claude, obviously... You compressed a whole lot of stuff into one small time, like three or four incidents in a, in a very close, but these aren't new. These have been happening, but they're another one of those moments where it brings something uh, to the forefront again, as it should have stayed in the forefront for a long time. And the church and people of all different ethnicities and backgrounds are having passionate responses. However, if the pattern holds true, what occurs next is, right, uh, it, it becomes a big issue. And then over time, we get a little bit passive or we move on to a different issue or we forget about it. And then as a result, uh, real justice issues get put on the back burner. How do you think and what do you think needs to happen to make sure that that doesn't happen again this time? That it's just not that it's not important, but that we just don't move on to the next thing and put this on the back burner.
4: Yeah, that's a great question, uh, uh, Brian. And not just a great question, but it's also, you know, the dilemma, right? You know, we get the initial passion and we get the initial urge uh, and urgency, Uh, to do something, but then, you know, follow through uh, doesn't happen. And sadly, we're in the same place over and over again. Um, And and that happens because naturally the news cycle changes. Uh, Something else comes and grabs our attention. I mean, if you would have thought back a month and a half ago, uh, two months ago, you know, we couldn't imagine what would take our attention off of COVID-19. But here we are, you know, and and even though something else grabs our attention, uh, the threat to, 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 to Black America, the concern Uh, in Black America doesn't change. But for society at large, that attention does go away. And so I think one point to remember is that even though it's not in our headlines, even though it may not be front and center in society, it still is an issue for our Black brothers and sisters. Uh, And so one thing we have to do, we have to put this thing high on our priority list. Um, We have to shift our priorities. Um, You know, we get things done that we want to get done. I think about times when I want to get out to play golf. This is just me personally. Nothing stops me from doing that. I've stayed up all night getting work done until two to three in the morning, getting back up at five in the morning, knocking out more work just to get a tea time. And so we do things uh, that we want to do. You know, the things that we consider important uh, causes us to act and continue to act. And so for some of us uh, at home, in our families, uh, in our churches, in organizations where we volunteer and things like that, we might need to shuffle around our priorities Uh, And make sure that they reflect the urgency and the the desire that we say we have today regarding, you know, racial healing. Uh, Also, we need to find organizations and movements that are already pushing us forward and support them, uh, like Pastor Aaron's Repentance uh, uh, Project. Uh, You know, we've got to find these and and participate and support, you know, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. There are so many good people and great organizations who are out here working towards the goal of racial equality and racial healing uh, here in our in the area right here in the DMV. They have the infrastructure in place. Uh, and they have people who are passionate and have been doing it for a long time, and they're not dropping the ball. Uh, All they need is some support. They need us to join in, and so we can find these organizations, and and we can jump in and encourage those to jump in. Uh, We also have to make sure we have uh, these conversations in our communities and that we don't, uh, you know, stop the conversation from happening. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, white people need to talk to white people about this. White people need to challenge one another. Talk to one another. You know, how do you feel about George Floyd? How do you feel about uh, police brutality? How do you feel about the systematic racism that black folks have to uh, deal with? Uh, Do you know any black people who've been pulled over by the police or abused? And and, and if they don't, share stories. Share with them this show. Share with them the podcast. Let them hear my story. Uh, So share with them those stories. And it, it basically moves from Uh, the attitude of someone's got to do something, something needs to change, somebody has to do this, to I need to do something, and I need to hold myself accountable and my community accountable to making sure that we do something.
2: Yeah, and I think, uh, to go back to you, Aaron, that one of the things that Repentance Project does is it, as I understand it, is it really, really pushes towards those deep, honest, rough conversations that need to happen, not just uh, cross racial barriers, but inside the same racial divide where people who come from the same place of not feeling the system of system, systemic oppression of racism, if I can get that out correctly, not feeling that to say, hey, how are we a part of changing it for other people?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just amen to what Claude shared around the need, not just for diversity, um, but for white for white people to talk to white people about this. And I think that that's a really important word that I don't want to move too quickly past. And that's really the heart behind the Repentance Project. It's a multiracial team that is leading this of some really dynamic pastors locally here in the DMV area and also nationally. Um, People that are pretty well-known in the Christian circles like Andy Crouch have been a part of it. Uh, Folks like Kendrick Curry at Pennsylvania Avenue Baptist Church and Cheryl Sanders at Third Street Church of God here in D.C., but the, the 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 real audience for what we've written, the, the big part of Repentance Project is something called This America, uh, the, the um, An American Lament. And it's a seven-week devotional that has prayers and scriptures and takes each day an honest look at something in the history as it relates to slavery and segregation. And the audience really, that really needs to go through this is white Christians in a sense. And that's really the call. And it's, it's it's hard, I think, for anybody to read it, but I think it's a really important thing to bring into our devotional life, and um, and so I would encourage you guys to go to RepentanceProject.org and to download. It's actually free. Uh, we created this resource for free, and um, you can download that, uh, print it out, and make that a part of your daily devotional life um, and, and seek God in these times.
2: And there's also, I believe, on the website, right, a statement of repentance. Who is that for? and uh, and direct the listeners, so to speak, how they can go read it, understand it, and then sign on.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to repentanceproject.org, there's a, a, a short uh, statement of repentance that we would ask you to go and sign. And um, I mean, I'll just read the first line of it. It says, I am sorry that our nation has prospered at the expense of African Americans for 400 years through slavery, slave codes, Jim Crow, segregation, and lingering inequality in many systems in America. And it goes on a few more lines, but you have the opportunity to sign that. And then we'll send you a copy of, of this American lament um, where you can go through that. And then you can look for opportunities to join us for events, whether they're a pilgrimage or on June 19th, which is known as Juneteenth, which is the hundred and it will be the hundred and fifty fifth anniversary of when the, the last enslaved people were released. Uh, from their bondage in Texas after the Civil War ended, we'll have a virtual event at that slave cemetery that I was talking about at the beginning. And so you guys can find all of that on on the website and get connected. It's just one way, just one small thing that we're trying to do to serve the church. And I think this is an important time um, for all of us, a teachable moment, particularly for us as white Christians.
2: And I think the timing of the show for people who are listening to it uh, air uh, you know live over the weekend is that that's coming up this Friday. Uh, so it's something they could still get involved in. Uh, and do in that way. Hey, we got a minute or two. Um, I know that I love hearing from you, Aaron. I love hearing from Claude because, uh, Claude, you made that great point that um, we, we find time for the things that we find deeply important. Uh, everyone is busy. Uh, we wear that too often as a badge of honor when I'm not sure that's exactly what it is. And so we find ourselves saying, I'm too busy for this. I'm too busy for that. And so I think you've made a wonderful push and a call for the gospel to happen through repentance. Um, by saying find time to do this, whether it's a pilgrimage, whether it's going to the website, whether it's, it's having cross-racial relationships, or it's speaking white person to white person about the type of things that need to do and change in order for the system uh, to, to turn around. So Aaron, maybe in just a quick minute, because we're about down two minutes left on the show here today, could you tell us a story how God has worked uh, through this project, maybe in just one person's life?
3: Absolutely. So our team, our leadership team, just heard from David Drake, who's a pastor of Church of the Resurrection in Baltimore, which is a fairly large Anglican church. And he went through this American lament and I think during Lent, the Lenten season. And um, he read it and was inspired to take his church through this journey, um, even before all of the latest with the George Floyd killing. And so he was already on a journey, um, kind of a step ahead of the news And I really would encourage other pastors to do that because I think we as the church are supposed to lead. And so um, God forbid uh, another incident, but I'm sure we will see another incident we need as the church to be prepared. And so I'm so encouraged by pastors and leaders who are taking the time to study and understand our history so that we can lead as the church and impact our culture um, and society at every level.
2: Uh, and I'm encouraged every time I have a chance to uh, talk to to brothers or sisters uh, in Jesus Christ who are stepping out uh, and talking about the things that Jesus talked to. Um, Dr. Manning, Dr. Bobby, in our last one, again, if you haven't listened to the one before this, go back to our podcast, as I said earlier, and listen to that. Mentioned how when Jesus opened the scroll and started speaking, he said he's here to bring the good news to the poor and the oppressed. Uh, and, and that is the gospel. It is good news to everyone, not just to some. So Dennis.
1: Yeah, God bless you guys, man. Oh man. I could, you know, this is another one of those times, Claude, we say it every time. Don't we buddy that uh, this is just way too short because I could listen to you guys for um, hours. And I mean that, I mean, this is powerful stuff that makes us all think and I pray do more than think act and do something about it. So uh, thank you guys. God bless you, man. This is powerful, powerful stuff. Thank you all for listening again. And for more information, you can go to repentanceproject.org. That's repentanceproject.org. Or if you want to listen again and get more information, go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Again, WAVA.com. Put in the keyword good news and re-listen at our podcast page, WAVA.com, keyword good news. Or again, if you really need to, you can call me at the station. I get my messages daily. 703 807 2266. That's 703 807 2266. So thank you guys. God bless you. Um, Thank you all for listening. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel
0: that makes a way. The The
1: gospel that makes a way.
0: Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership. Movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.